I wanted people to understand that content marketing at FreshPaint, which was a new function when I joined the company, um, I wanted them to understand that content has real value. So I looked for really quick wins, things I could just do quick to get more eyeballs on the website, to get more people reading, sharing our content. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Mark Rogers. Mark is the director of content marketing at FreshPaint. He's been working in content marketing for a decade and has held every job from writer to editor to strategist. Mark, welcome. Thanks, yeah, George. It's uh, great to be here. I, s- I usually share more things uh, in the intro. <laughs> so I, I, l- I would kindly ask you to share a few things about you and your background um, and like what has brought you to, to where you are today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, like you said, I've been I've been in content marketing for about a decade. Um, I actually started my career in sales, which I think uh, gave me a really interesting perspective on content marketing when I started in that. So I think even now, twelve years after working in sales, a lot of my content is still influenced by what I see on the sales side. So that's what that's really important to me as a. Um, but as, as for how I got here. Um, Prior to being director of content marketing at Fresh Paint, I was director of content strategy at Animals, which I'm sure a lot of people know know that content agency is pretty well known. Um, and then before that, I was I was at another marketing agency um, doing content marketing there as well. So um, just spent a lot of time in content marketing over my career, and I just I just love content as a as a medium for marketing because it's it's one of the ones that really depends on the quality of the work, like content versus advertising for example with advertising you can put dollars toward anything and you'll see some amount of performance it might not be good performance but um, you'll still see performance if you just put money into it with content if you don't create something that's amazing and really catches attention you're not going to get anything out of it so i like that kind of all or nothing approach and that's that's how i approach all the content that i produce is you know how can we make it as good as humanly possible um, so that's a, that's a quick high level summary. I didn't know that your background is, uh, like that you worked at two different agencies. Would you still, that you're still recovering from, from this experience? Yeah, I think so. Agencies, I think agencies are great. Like I love, I still love agencies. Um, I think it's a great place for any marketer to spend some time in their career, but yeah, the, the, the burnout is intense because the work's intense. I mean, it's fun. You bounce around from client to client to client, but yeah, it, it wears you down after, um, I did about six years total in the agency world and it's tough. Um, you know, startup life is at fresh paint different. It's also intense, but, uh, but, um, nice to focus on one company and one product and one audience for a change. Yeah. Um, 
For people who haven't heard of uh, Fresh Paint, can you please uh, give us a little blurb of like what the company is uh, and who gets the most value out of its products? Yeah, so Fresh Paint is a healthcare privacy platform. So what that means is we work with healthcare companies to make their ads, analytics, and all of their marketing uh, HIPAA compliant. So in the United States, HIPAA basically governs um, basically governs the flow of data for healthcare consumers versus healthcare companies like um, hospital systems and insurance companies and things like that. Um, so there's a lot of concern with data privacy when it comes to ads, analytics, and marketing. Um, as as you know, in marketing, everything that marketers do, there's some sort of data associated with it. So whether you're doing ads or analytics or website personalization or chat bots or um, A-B testing, really anything you can think of, all those tools collect data about the people that are interacting with them. And then in most industries, that's not a problem. It's fine. They collect data, they share it back to the marketers so they can optimize performance. Um, in healthcare, getting that data is a problem because um, that's considered protected health information in a lot of instances. So healthcare, so healthcare just deals with different challenges there. Um, so Fresh Paint kind of... Um, sits in between ads and analytics platforms and marketers and helps pull out protected health information, prevents any of that from being shared with those tools um, just to ensure HIPAA compliance among all the marketing they do. Is this one of the reasons why they still uh, use fax for uh, like, uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a, a fax SaaS uh, reaching out to us a while ago and I was very surprised to see that there's still people using uh, fax, but apparently there is a use case for that in health. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's that's pretty much it. Um, a lot of like healthcare marketers and healthcare in general, they don't want to use like the outdated technologies. A lot of times, it's just the easiest approach when you consider all the data privacy concerns with just even email. There's data privacy concerns there, so. Um, they tend to, to err on the side of caution and use the safe, proven technologies, even if those are 20, 30 years old, like facts. Now, I wouldn't call what Fresh Pain does as category creation, but the truth is, as for my understanding, uh, at least, that what you do is quite niche, and I wouldn't expect there to be a mature market around your solutions. My question is, how do you approach content marketing for such a company? Yeah, that's 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 a that's an awesome question. Um, I would say the industry itself, the healthcare industry, definitely is a niche. It's it's almost a trillion dollar a year industry, so it's a massive, massive industry. Um, our solution, Fresh Paint solution, is relatively new to the market. We're a handful, four or five years old. Um, and we've really only started to see great traction in the past year on, on the product, um, which is pretty typical for a new SaaS company. It takes a few years to get things up and running. Um, so right now, my approach to content marketing with all of that in mind is just really trying to make people aware of the problem that exists. So a lot of times, healthcare marketers don't quite understand the challenges of ads and analytics, or if they do understand the challenges there, um, their legal teams are preventing them from doing really interesting, really good advertising, really good an analytics. They're just prevented from doing a lot of things. Um, so my focus is 
generating awareness of the problem and then generating awareness of the solution. Um, even if it's not fresh paint, I'm just trying to generate that there try generate awareness that there are solutions to the problem of, of data privacy in healthcare. So, um, that's, that's really where I focus. Um, it's just on that problem awareness, gener, um, and, and, and solution awareness. Do you mean that, uh, I mean, people who practice, uh, marketing in the healthcare industry may not be aware, may, may be ignorant of the, of the fact that they have to be like one of the activities they, they do, um, has to be HIPAA compliant and that they are not even aware of that and that you should sort of tell them that, you know what, like you can run ads and then store this data there and then share them with this company and so on without, uh, being compliant. Is that? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically it. Um, and part of it is because there is, there's new regulations that came out late last year and have been updated throughout this year that affects how healthcare marketers can use ads and analytics. Um, so it's, it's, it's made it challenging for, um, for something as simple as like Google analytics, it made that challenging for healthcare marketers to be able to use that. Um, so a lot of, a lot of healthcare marketers still don't understand that that's a problem and they're, they're seeing fines and lawsuits and things like that, which are really serious problems. Um, so the first step we've got is let's make sure people understand these problems. Let's make sure they clearly understand it because the way the regulations come down, it's all legalese, it's complex, it's hard to understand. So we're trying to cut through all that, make it really simple to understand, and then also make it really simple for healthcare marketers to understand that there's a clear solution here. You don't have to, um, like a lot of healthcare organizations are being told, shut off ads, shut off analytics, don't do anything, um, which is, I mean, that's that's not a good situation. Um, so we're trying to make people aware that there's a HIPAA compliance solution here. Um, there's a couple different paths you can go. Obviously, fresh paint is one of those paths, but uh, it's not the only path even. So I try to make people aware of all the paths that exist because each healthcare organization is going to, is going to, have different nuances and different needs for a different path. So I just want people to be aware of all the options and then hopefully draw their own conclusions that maybe fresh paint is the best option. Moving forward, I, I wouldn't expect uh, doing something like that in the beginning, but moving forward, do you see um, fresh paint sort of stepping out of topics that are strictly connected to the product's capabilities and discussing, you know, all things uh, healthcare marketing, uh, you know, to not discuss just the problem, raise awareness about the problem and the solutions, but like really educate the industry about everything around their role and what they're doing. Yeah, I actually, I don't know that we're ever going to go like that wide in healthcare marketing, um, where I see us actually going, then it depends on how things go in the future, but. I think there's going to be more regulation among data for data privacy in other industries. Like right now, we're just focused on healthcare because that's where the heaviest data privacy regulations exist. But I think financial services, insurance, other regulated industries are going to start to experience similar data privacy regulations. Um, and at that point, it'll make sense for us to step in there as well and say, like, hey, we've got a proven model that works really well in healthcare. We can also apply it to financial services or insurance or any other regulated industry that exists. So I think that's likely where the future is for, for fresh paint and for similar companies. Um, but I think it remains to be seen a little bit as well. That makes sense. What did you focus on in your first, say, 90 days uh, in the job? 
Yeah. Um, I love that question. Cause I th- a lot of times, a lot of times I think marketers come into a new company and their default state is to do nothing. Essentially. It seems like it's a popular thing to like come in and, you know, talk to a hundred thousand customers, watch product demos, like do all this stuff that is really, really important, but isn't essentially, you know, focused on the immediate tasks that you need to do. So my first focus when I jumped into into Fresh Paint was what are the quickest wins I can I can build up. I wanted people to understand that content marketing at Fresh Paint, which was a new function when I joined the company, um, I wanted them to understand that content has real value. So I looked for really quick wins, things I could just do quick to get more eyeballs on the website, to get more people reading, sharing our content. Um, so a lot of that was I I did some refreshing of existing content. We had some, we didn't have. Uh, a ton of content. Um, we hired a few agencies over the past few years to write content. So we'd had some. So I did a lot of refreshing of that. I also dove into the webinars that we had done and started to pull um, pull content ideas out of that and build content from there. Um, and then I also connected closely with the sales team to understand like when you're in a, in a sales cycle, when you're in a deal flow with a potential customer, what pieces of content could help ease this? Where could we, where could we help, you know, reduce friction. Um, so our sales cycle at Fresh Paint, um, it's it's on it's on the longer side when it's compared to like a, a Grammarly or something like that. Um, so it's high touch sales. So sales is heavily involved. So I just want to help them as much as possible from a content perspective. Um, so that's, that's really where I focused at first. I didn't even focus on strategy at first. Um, I focused on just quick wins. How can I get content into production quickly? And, and where can we where can we start to have immediate impact so people understand the value of content marketing? Was it challenging to sort of learn the nuances of um, like the the vertical um, Fresh Paint is uh, operating at? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say definitely. There's there's challenges both in understanding the audience, understanding our product. Um, both of those are just really challenging. Um, so I spent a lot of time just reviewing sales calls and, and listening to listening to how the audience talks about the industry. Um, spent a lot of time just watching product demos as well to make sure I had a good solid understanding of our product because it is, even though healthcare marketers are the beneficiary of our product, um, it is a slightly more technical product in nature versus uh, uh, HREFs or Grammarly or something like that. So it just takes some, some nuanced understanding of it. Um, but you know, I'm still I'm still learning. I think I'll continue to learn the product and the audience throughout you know the next six, seven, eight years, however long I'm at Fresh Paint. But um, I feel like I've got a good baseline handle on on the audience and the product at this point. So, a few months in now, what would you say is uh, Fresh Paint's corner strategy? What are the main pillars of it? So, right now. Um, I'm building this content strategy around this this idea of the privacy first framework that we've developed, which is basically um, basically saying like healthcare marketers can do really great ads, really great analytics if you take a privacy first approach to it. Um, so we developed this privacy first approach, which is essentially make sure you understand all the technology you're using on your website before you actually go and use it. Because um, a lot of times, I mean, you probably know this as a marketer, you install a new analytics script on your website and you just run with it because all of a sudden you've got really cool analytics. Um, in most industries that works well. In healthcare, if you do that and you don't quite understand how that script works and the data it collects, 
you could find yourself in, like I said before, a lawsuit or or a serious fine from the FTC. Um, so healthcare marketers need to take that privacy first approach of really understanding what that technology is and then figuring out how we govern the flow of data to that technology. Um, so that concept that I'm really focused on generating awareness around right now. Um, so my content strategy there is one part developing content, written content for our website um, about that privacy first framework. Um, the next piece is developing webinars um, on the topic and, and working with partners um, to do those webinars and, and get them out into the world. Um, and then I'm also pitching the concept to podcasts in our industry to help um, generate awareness on that side of things. And then the last component I'm really working on is getting that concept placed on third-party publications. So um, healthcare marketers, healthcare compliance folks, they love, love, love to read stuff. There's so many trade magazines, which is cool. So I'm focused on on getting our thoughts, our ideas into a lot of those trade publications. Um, so doing a lot of ghostwriting on behalf of our CEO um, and just getting the idea out there any way I can. I see. Um, I, I read one of your LinkedIn posts, um, and as I was doing research for this episode, and um, you like discussed the fact that for uh, this company, for Fresh Paint, you don't rely on or focus on on SEO. And I agree. Um, but could you please explain, talk about that a bit, uh, and explain why? SEO doesn't really make sense, at least at this point for yeah. uh, for first faint. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll caveat all of this by saying I I'm a big believer in SEO in in you know certain instances. I've done a lot of SEO content in my career. Uh, I think it can be huge for healthcare and for fresh paint specifically. The reason I'm not focused there is um, it's mostly because of how our audience buys. So. Healthcare marketers, they tend to talk to each other and learn from each other more than doing their own research on things. So like I mentioned before, they love to read things. They spend a lot of time reading trade publications. They all go to specific healthcare um, conferences where they learn from each other and learn things like that. Um, we've also seen from, from, from our customer network, a lot of times when customers are evaluating a solution to a problem, they'll reach out to other healthcare companies in the space because a lot of times healthcare companies aren't competing directly with each other. They're, they're a lot of times like regionally based. So a healthcare company in New York City, for example, isn't a competitor to a healthcare company in Los Angeles because they're different regions, but they're probably talking to each other about like, hey, here's this problem. What's the solution to it? Um, so my content strategy is really focused around like, how can I plug into those conversations? How can we how can we make sure that the chief compliance officer at um, at you know NYU Health is talking to the chief compliance officer at Kaiser Permanente? Um, and how can we make sure that they mention fresh pain when they do so? Um, so a lot of times it, it's just focused on on that side of things, and that a lot of times just steers me away from SEO because those chief compliance officers, the heads of marketing, those people that are really focused on um, on that side of things, they're not going to Google and, and searching like, what's the best healthcare or privacy platform? Um, like you mentioned before, the pro our solution is relatively new. So um, 
there's not really a category around that concept of healthcare privacy platform. So nobody's searching that exactly. They might go to Google and search like, how can I make HIPAA or how can I make Google Analytics HIPAA compliant? If they search that, we already rank well for that term. Um, so there are a few terms out there that do matter from an SEO perspective. We already rank for most of them, um, if not all of them. So at this point, I'm focused elsewhere. And probably in the future, I will shift back to SEO when it makes sense. But right now, there's just so much potential in in you know trying to get involved in those conversations that that um, compliance officers are having. So that's really my focus right now. Um, you kind of touched on that in the previous answer you gave, but I would like to uh, to know how you think about distribution. I perceive very often organic search as a distribution channel. The problem with it is that, I mean, traditionally up to this point, and I would, you know, expect this the same thing to 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 continue happening in the in the near future. Average content, you know, was rewarded in in organic search, right? Which is not the same as creating a piece of content that, uh, you know, you will get instant feedback on, uh, let's say, LinkedIn or whatever other platforms you may be distributing that piece of content on. Um, and so, I would say this is one of the reasons why we have so much, um, like, subpar uh, content uh, that's. Uh, sort of uh, created for a search audience, but you can do the same with a piece of content that, like you, you like your intention is to publish that on on LinkedIn, for example. Um, I guess my question is, how do you think about content distribution? Uh, assuming, uh, given as a fact that you, you you're not uh, leveraging organic search as a as a distribution, let's say channel. Yeah, so I think when you're when you're not using organic search, it's more of like a I call it like the hustle approach to distribution. So you really got to just work hard to get your content out into the world. So anytime we publish a piece of content, I reach out to third party publications um, and let them know like, hey, we published a piece of content. Your audience might find this interesting. Do you want to feature it in your newsletter? Um, and that that works with decent amount of success, just that right there. So I usually get a few placements a week in different industry newsletters, um, which when you get a placement in a good newsletter, that'll drive thousands of, of clicks to your website each week, which is great. Um, beyond that, it's the same thing on, on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of times I'll take a piece of content and write um, write like enticing summary copy of it and hand that to the sales team and say like, hey, post this on LinkedIn as yourself um, because right now like LinkedIn works really well if you if you go with like a person first approach to it so rather than posting under fresh paints brand account which I do also but rather than just doing that um, distributing the ideas and the content through our employees works really really well also um, so like um, and a good thing about using the sales team is a lot of times they're talking to the you know they're having sales conversations with our audience every week so they're connecting with those folks on LinkedIn. So just getting in front of them another way is, is only beneficial to both myself from a content perspective, but them as a, as a, as a sales leader, it's, it's helpful as well. Um, and then beyond that, again, it's just, it's just more hustle distribution. It's just working and trying to find places where the audience is and distributing the content there. So 
there's a handful of like Slack groups, um, Reddit groups, uh, places like that, that I distribute content as well. Um, the difference with those is like, it's not, you don't just post a link there and say like, Hey, read this. It's usually all about like generating community engagement with those people. Cause I want the people in those communities to trust me and trust the fact that the content I'm sharing with them isn't spam. It's meant to be helpful. It's meant to be useful. So, um, that's that's definitely a longer term play, but it, it's starting to pick up really well now that I've been at it for three, four months. Um, and so it's just, you know, like I said, thinking about all the places the audience is and trying to get in front of them. It's a unique situation, I think, because imagine reaching out to a like marketing publication uh, to be featured in their newsletter or something yeah. like this. Chances are they will say, chances are they will not even get back, right? Uh, but even if they do, uh, Maybe they will ask for money or they will just say no. Whereas yeah. in, a, in a more traditional industry like this, people may not be like bombarded with like uh, marketing pitches and people selling links uh, for $10 each and so on. And so maybe they, they are more open to this and even welcome it. I don't know. Yeah, I think I definitely think there's something to that as well um, because a lot of like traditional healthcare marketing or the marketing that's aimed at this audience hasn't been, I don't want to say it, it, it's not bad. It's just been, I'd say a little more uh, like formal, stiff, like unengaging in some aspects. And I try to make our content um, really easy to read, almost fun to read. And I, I've been, you know, I hear a lot from, from our audience that like, hey, this piece was awesome. It was a really easy read. It helped me understand this. Um, so I'm trying to bring like a slightly different spin to a lot of these topics. Um, just to catch attention a little more. And I think when you take that approach in an industry that has traditionally been um, a little stiffer, a little more buttoned up, it seems to stand out really well. So I think that uh, that is definitely one of the reasons why it, why it works so well. But it is still a numbers game. You know, I reach out to 25, 30 publications a week and might get placement in two or three of them. So um, it just it just takes some work. Um, but like I said, when it does land, it's it's really it's really worth it. Now, one topic that makes most of us content marketers feel a bit uncomfortable, uneasy, uh, is uh, measurement, performance measurement. And traditionally, I don't know about you, but I, my my perception of this is that we relied heavily on uh, traffic and more specifically organic traffic as the main vehicle, let's say, to communicate the effectiveness of our work, which I don't know, I have some concerns, especially if uh, SEO becomes, let's say, a weaker, uh, quote unquote, channel. Uh, but regardless, um, I would like to hear your thoughts on measurement and how do you approach, um, how do you like uh, measure the effectiveness of all the activities that you uh, invest your time and resources on? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because since I'm not focused on SEO, I'm not, I'm not from a measurement perspective, I don't look at organic traffic. I don't look at keywords. Um, I honestly only take a cursory glance at overall traffic because that's not my main my main you know measurement. Uh, so what I primarily look at is a lot of uh, subjective measurements actually. So I look at like, are we getting good comments on this on this content? Um, when we send an e newsletter featuring the content to our audience, are people responding to that email positively? So. Um, I literally look for, are people replying to it? And if they are replying, what are they saying? Um, beyond that, it's the same thing on social, on on the Slack communities that I'm involved in. When I post a piece of content, 
I just monitor the comments there and, and make sure that we're seeing positive comments. Are people saying it's it's a good piece of content? Are they saying, oh, this is cool. I want to share it with my legal team or compliance team or something like that. Those are like the, that's like the gold standard. Um, beyond that, I'm starting to look at, at next level content measurement. So um, understanding, I'm, I'm calling it like sales assisted or content assisted leads. Um, so basically, does a sales lead read a piece of content at some point during the sales process? Um, that's something that I think will help, um, just help me understand if my content is helping the sales team or if it's if it's kind of falling flat. Um, so that's th those are really the main areas I'm looking at right now. Um, it's still early days and luckily my, my boss and my CEO aren't uh, pushing for traffic numbers. They're not focused on that either. So it definitely helps me um, be able to be a little more creative and a little more interesting in my content. I'm not just chasing clicks. That's a good uh, position uh, to be in. Um, yeah, it really is. Uh, after topic ideation, assuming that you rocked the topic and you you said that like this is what we are going to write about, usually I would expect there to be a content brief, right? And I I saw one of your uh, latest LinkedIn comments on uh, post, sorry, on uh, on content briefing. Can you talk oh, yeah. about your process a bit uh, when it comes to content briefing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll say it. I think like when it comes to content briefs, if you expect good output, so if you if you're working with freelance writers and you expect good content from them, you got to give them a good starting point. So I try to put a lot of effort into writing a content brief. Um, I mean, a content brief probably it might probably takes me about an hour to write a content brief. Um, because there's a lot of things that I put into a content brief to make sure that it's useful for my freelance writers. Um, so I'm trying to think of like the, the most important pieces that I use in a brief that might be different. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I, I like to give working titles. So, um, every brief that I do, I'll put four or five different related titles to the piece that way. The writer can quickly understand like, all right, here's the angle that we need to go for. Um, it just helps them like get a high level framing of the piece. Um, and then I usually try to explain um, why this piece fits into the overall content strategy. So how does this relate to everything else we've done? Um, usually, I always provide an outline to writers as well. And I always say with that outline, um, you don't have to follow this outline to a T if you see a different approach that works better through your research, feel free to go that direction. Um, and then I also always try to draw, uh, try to include um, related fresh paint content into the into the brief as well, because I think that helps um, helps writers understand like, oh, we framed this idea in this piece a certain way, so I'll frame it the same way in this piece. Um, and then beyond that, it's just thinking of other things that would be helpful from a writing standpoint. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of a lot of content marketers have been freelance writers or been writers at some point. So, just put yourself in that that person's shoes. What do you think would be helpful um, from a from a briefing perspective? And that's that's the approach I try to take. I would like to shift gears a bit and discuss um, AI in content marketing. Um, yeah. My question is: Have you experimented with it? I I guess yes, but. If so, what are the best use cases you see, uh, you know, for your role at Fresh Paint and in general for uh, content marketers? 
Yeah. Um, so I use, I mean, I use uh, chat GPT pretty much every day in my job. Um, I don't use it to write content or anything like that, but what I find it really helpful for is um, like helping to tease out different aspects of, of, you know, something I'm trying to figure out. So like a good example, I, I still write a lot of content for fresh paint, even though I'm also working with freelance writers, but um, in my content writing, I'm always terrible at writing intros to an article. It's, it's my biggest weakness. So I use chat GPT to help me like bounce, um, to help me bounce ideas for the intro off, uh, just back and forth. Um, so I'll like take the article that I wrote, I'll paste it in chat GPT and be like, Hey, write an article or write an intro for this article. And it always writes something terrible. Chat GPT sucks at intros too, but it at least helps me understand like, Oh, that's an interesting concept that I may not have thought of when I came to an intro. Um, or sometimes I'll just get like weird with it and be like, write an intro to this article as if you're Stephen King, just see what it comes up with there. And again, it's never good, but it helps me just frame the intro a slightly different way so that I can come up with an interesting, um, interesting, engaging intro. Um, I take, I do the same approach with titles for, for all of our blog posts and webinars and things like that. I'll usually write four or five different titles myself, post it into chat GPT and be like, Hey, give me 10 more titles on this topic. And usually comes up with 10 that are again, pretty bad, but like I mentioned before, it helps me see something in a different light that might be uh, useful for the final title. Um, beyond that, I use ChatGPT a ton for um, like data analysis in Excel. ChatGPT is really good at like coming up with formulas to to help you analyze data in a different way. Um, and then a lot of times with, so we use Webflow as our CMS and Webflow is great, but a lot of times it requires custom HTML to do specific things. Like if you want a table of contents, you got to do that in HTML. Um, and I know HTML, but I'm really slow at writing it. So I just have ChatGPT do it and it can create a table of contents with anchor texts and, and anchor links in under two seconds. And then I just paste that right into Webflow and I've got a table of contents. So uh, stuff like that makes my makes my job so much faster and so like, much Like an assistant sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I get it. Um, so second to last question. Yes. Let's talk about the future uh, of content marketing for SaaS companies. What do you think the, the future holds for uh, SaaS content marketing? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, AI is obviously going to have a huge impact, but I don't think AI is going to come in and take our jobs or anything like that. I think probably what we'll see is a lot of like that, that like simple 101 level mediocre content. I think a lot of that will start to be covered by AI. So like, um, you still see a lot of, a lot of companies publishing, like what is a data warehouse, which is at this point, so many companies have written that doesn't need to be written again. Um, I think you're going to see AI start to capture those, those easy ones. Um, things that are just more fact-based explaining simply what a data warehouse is. AI can handle that, which I think is a good thing because it frees us up as content marketers and writers to write more interesting content. So I think it's going to be more about connecting with subject matter experts, um, creating really interesting content with unique angles that is just more helpful rather than another definition of another industry term. Um, so I think there's, I think there's just a huge amount of potential for the future of content marketing from a creativity perspective, which is cool. I think it'll be, it'll be good to bring some creativity back into the industry. Um, and I think AI enables that because it, it can handle all the boring stuff. I agree. 
Um, so last question, um, Mark, uh, for people who want to reach out to you or connect, uh, what's the place, what's the best place to, to do so? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is by far the best place. Um, I, I try to publish at least once a week, um, something behind the scenes about what it's like working at fresh paint. Um, so you'll see me publish about the content strategy I'm working on or how I'm thinking about content distribution or. Or like we we're just talking about, um, I published my my content brief um, framework in on LinkedIn uh, last week. So um, just kind of whatever's top of mind for me that week, I try to publish something that'll help content marketers and and marketers in general. So um, LinkedIn's a great place. Just search Mark Rogers Fresh Paint. It's probably the best way to find me. Okay, we will drop it in the notes. Uh, Mark, thank you very much for this uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah, George, I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.